This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Data the podcast brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high profile data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures while bringing unique insights drawn from first hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Steve Matty, who is the Managing Director of HH Global Interactive. So Steve, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Hi, how are you doing? Very well. Um, pleasure to to have you on. So um, yeah, looking forward to today's chat, Steve. So I guess where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a, I guess, brief introduction uh, into their you know background and I guess journey up until this point, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I guess I've been in and around marketing and more specifically data within marketing for a Quite a, quite a number of years now. I started working in the 80s uh, back for what became HSBC Bank, started off as Midland Bank, and got uh, that was my first involvement with the, the marketing department. And uh, there was a little specialist team in there looking at data. So that was that was how the, the interest started. And after after that, I, be, I went to a, a, the agency side of things and you know became the, the data bloke uh, over within big agency groups. Um, Wonderman was the where I spent my longest period of time now Wonderman Thompson, um, working for them in the London office and uh, in Asia and in North America. Um, and then decided then to set my own thing up. I set up a business called Tree, which was a data analytics business, uh, which which grew pretty quickly. We had some nice accounts, Telefonica, O2BM1 and Virgin and Channel 4. And we grew that um, and uh, sold that uh, to uh, Chime Group, which was part owned by WPP. I merged it in with a, an advertising group called VCCP and I ran the below the line operation for VCCP for a few years. And then I came out of that and invested in a company called Blueberry Wave, which was a MarTech business, um, which was acquired by HH Global uh, in uh, 2019. And so I've got the link in with HH Global now, and that's gradually uh, become uh, HH Global Interactive, So, uh, which is where I reside now. Right. Very good. See, so data was uh, popular even back in the back in the eighties, right? It's not the yeah, it, it was very very different back then, of course. Yeah. Of course. And, and name and address files was pretty much as far as far as it went back then, and uh, very very simplistic segmentation. Obviously, you know the the world that we uh, we used to us data geeks used to talk about back then. You know, can you imagine a day when you can monitor everything and use that data to to talk to people? It's here now, so uh, yep. you know. But it's taken thirty odd years to get there. Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. So I guess for the benefit of the listeners that aren't yeah. too familiar with HH Global as an as a entirety, and then obviously the interactive piece that you kind of look after, give us a, a, a bit of info on that. Sure. Uh, well, uh, HH Global uh, has been around as a business for a long time. Uh, uh, and what they did originally as a business was uh, marketing solutions for 
for big clients, uh, which would typically be uh, physical marketing material. So I guess think direct mail and point of sale materials uh, and merchandise. Um, and over the years, that's become a very big business. The company is now uh, around about a $2 billion dollar turnover business operating out of 65 countries uh, with about 4,000 staff around the world working for um, you know 200 or so of the biggest brands in the world uh, providing marketing solutions for them hh global interactive is a, a, a new creation which is designed to help hs global service uh, their clients that they have with uh, data, digital and uh, technology solutions really enabling us to help our clients move into, in inverted commas, the new world of marketing where people are following multiple different uh, pathways to purchase and post-purchase and how do we well, how do we offer solutions to our clients to meet those needs? So uh, the, the business that was bought, Blueberry Wave, was a, a MarTech business, as I said previously. So that's now forming the spine of what has become HH Global Interactive. And effectively, that is now a service line into HH Global clients. So we're, we're a big business uh, globally with big big client names. You'd have heard of all of our clients pretty much, I would have thought. So it's, um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's interesting. And maybe we'll talk a little bit later about sort of that that new evolution of um, marketing services companies that I think are, are coming to the fore in the in the in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we uh, sure we will. I guess before we delve into that, then in terms of your role, obviously yeah. managing director, so you're responsible for that organisation. What's the kind of what's the yeah. strapline of your ambitions? I guess and what you know what your task with achieving within the business. Yeah, so the the uh, the aim, as I sort of already alluded to, is to expand the the offering of uh, you know at, at pace data driven content through multiple channels into the the client base of of HH Global. So so our role is is really twofold. It's to grow geographically. We we come from a heritage of Europe, we're UK really. And grow that out as quickly as we can, partially by organic growth and partially by acquisition, uh, so that the, the we're able to service in every geographic marketplace, and also to uh, to follow an innovative path with our clients. So, looking and which innovation is something that gets of, of often spoken about by clients now, where they ask you to be be innovative all the time, which obviously is, is a broad church. But for us, that means looking for both leading edge and and bleeding edge a difference being leading edge is tried and tested bleeding edge not tried and tested but could be interesting in the future so bringing that to bear on our, our solutions for our clients and helping them to you know i hate to use the term future proof themselves because there's no such thing but at least as we stand now try and be ahead of the game as much as possible in in their ability to to deliver this marketing this this the world of marketing at at pace with relevant content yeah yeah, no, that makes um, makes perfect sense. So I guess if we jump into it, then obviously the yeah. last last eighteen to twenty four months have been unusual to say yeah, the absolutely. least. Absolutely, yeah. and I guess there's been a big shift from a marketing perspective and this whole talk around the expedition of digital transformation and you know all the challenges that's that's brought. And I guess the other side of that facet is that I think when people 
often think about data and analytics, they, you know, what one of the most obvious domains for that is is the sphere of marketing, right? You know, because most organizations are looking at obtaining new customers or how do you get more customers to buy or how do you improve that customer experience? So I think that's a real, you know, the marketing domain in itself is obviously a real obvious place for those conversations to take place. What have you seen in regards to the relationship between data and marketing and how that's kind of evolved now we're kind of hopefully coming out of the other side of what's been a pretty um you know unusual time yeah no no no, no. let's let's hope so as well let's hope we don't go back there again in fact i saw a I saw a in, interesting one I, I spent like a lot of people i was watching and a number of uh, webinars uh during lockdown and there was one that was run by the financial times and they were interviewing you know, very senior CEOs of big global businesses. And one of them, I don't remember which one, said, look, if you'd said to any business in two weeks' time, I want you to make sure all of your staff can work at home. We're going to transform the way that we operate this business and and and, and adapt it. And I'll give you two weeks to do that. All of them would have said, can't be done. And yet, yet it was done for, for the for the most part by a huge number of businesses you know that you talked about digital transformation and i've i've seen a number of articles saying the the biggest uh, the biggest impeller of digital transfer transformation was covid itself because it forced everyone to just suddenly do this do yeah. this thing create this new world so so i think that you know with that in mind what what about this relationship we're doing in data marketing i think first of all um data has now become um a common currency you know everyone was following the stats in the newspapers about where we were on the bell curve of covid statistics were put up by um by the government every every evening at five o'clock and there was slide after slide of graphs and charts and data and i guess what that's done is it's it's made an awful lot of people now much more comfortable uh, with data being used to justify decision making generally and obviously in this instance it was around about covid but for a long time, um, the, the the world of data has been justifying decisions to a degree in the in the world of marketing, and I I think what it's just done is it's made our job a little bit easier, and it's made our our job uh, when we're talking to clients, uh, as I say, more uh, with a greater basis in the, the predictability and the viability of marketing campaigns, and obviously the measurability of the marketing campaigns. So it's it's meaning that the, the, the clients are much more keen to to understand and embrace uh that way of, of of doing things but perhaps they weren't weren't previously um and i think also there's another aspect of it which is that a lot of clients have had their marketing budgets cut through the uh, through the covid uh, the covid period f- for necessity although we are, we do seem to be bouncing back rather well economically but during that period of time there was uh, i think the, the mantra of you've got less money but do the same uh was what we were hearing a lot of the time and that naturally uh, leads clients to thinking very hard about where they spend their money, which again leads us to thinking, well, data can give us some of those answers. Where should I spend my marketing dollars? Uh, you know, do they go online? Do they go offline? Is it above the line, below the line? What should I be doing? How can I kind of work out what's worked well previously and make sure that I do more of the same things moving forwards? Uh, so there became that much more of that accountability through it. And I think, again, that's a very healthy thing uh, for, us to, for us to be seeing now, uh, and I hope that that will, as the, the economy bounces back and as budgets increase again, which they will as a result of that, 
I think we'll see that 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 um, that accountability, that return on investment, becomes much much more important to clients moving forwards. Um, and I think the other the other thing is that the, the, the data. Data and digital, to me, are, are interlinked. The, the, you know, they they're one in the same. Digital is by definition an, a way of gathering and, and using uh, data. And you know, as you've already said, the world went digital uh, over the last eighteen months, both in terms of people's uh, ways of working, but also um, consumers. Consumers have now they they research more readily online. They they embrace. New hobbies, new new ways of gathering information, all online, and and we're seeing signs now in the high street that people are voting with their feet in terms of where they then go to do the purchase, and that that may be uh, that may be a physical outlet, but equally it may well be a may well be a digital outlet, um, and so understanding. You, you know that 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 change in behaviour and whatever the you know talk of this new normal, whatever that becomes, um, we know that a large chunk of it is going to be digital and therefore and therefore data data driven. Um, so I, I, I guess that's that that's where I would would answer answer that point. You know, it's uh, it's about digital, it's about budgets, and and actually data has now become common currency and and actually demanded by clients as a basis for decision making rather than often what used to happen in the past where it was merely something that you were wheeled in at the end of a meeting to say here's the data guy with some some charts and tables now we're going in right at the beginning of every meeting saying this is what the data is saying to you yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it because the amount of conversations as you'd expect steve that i have through the podcast and in my line of work you know obviously it's always been a you know, the old saying of, you know, data was kind of brought in to val- validate the decision that you'd already made. And if it, if it didn't, it was just ignored type of, of, of thing. Um, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think, it, it, but it's, it's so interesting, as you mentioned, you know, the adaptability of business just to, you know, effectively there was businesses out there that had a five to 10 year plan, right. to you know, go digital in inverted commas and, you know, spun yeah. it around in seven days. So yeah. it, can, it can be done when it needs to be, done um and yeah i think the the whole way you know people and consumers now interact and buy things you know i mean there were some local pubs near me for example that all of a sudden you know they had to close and they were selling pints online that you could go and pick up (laughs) my my pub too my pub too yeah yeah. and and so just all these little things that start to come out and I, i remember thinking in in the midst of the chaos this is never going to go back to how it was just being, you know, so like now my missus still likes to do the shopping online at Tesco because we just got accustomed to doing it like that rather than going down to, you know, the shop and so forth and so on. So I think it's become really important, but like you said, it's, I think it's cemented for a lot of people that it's actually, like, as you said, the, the currency that decisions ought to be made by, which is obviously a great thing for us as an industry I know that when we spoke offline around getting you onto the podcast, you'd spoke about the kind of um, schism in marketing, you know, that's appeared over time um, between, you know, creative, it being a creative sector and creative industry, and then trying to, you know, incorporate that, that kind of factual evidence-based decision-making into that. And that being quite an alien concept, which intrigued me because, I think for a lot of businesses, most decisions have always been made on 
gut right and what what felt right and that yeah. feels right let's let's do it you know it's an educated decision to a certain degree but you know other than that that's just what what we've kind of have done talk us through that kind of schism that you were you know talking about from a marketing perspective yeah i think it's uh, i mean you 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 put that across really well there. I think it's, um, you know, just, and I've come from big agency background myself originally, where, as you say, the, 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 the gut feel factor in the, in the way that creative in particular was delivered was, was certainly, and remains, uh, for, for a lot of probably the, 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 the agency groups out there, the, the primary driver, when you look at a typical, a typical planning process prior to creative being delivered, it's it's very much top down. So there's a hypothesis created about what might be the answer to that particular problem, and then that drops through to probably a, a big idea, and then that's you know typically in a typical pitch, there'll be the big idea, and then it, and then you'll do a couple of versions of it. One as a piece of direct mail, one as an email, you know, one as what it might look like on an app. Um, whereas there is the other side of that, uh, which we've start, started talking about today, which is the bottom-up way of doing things, which is where the data is saying, this is what's happening out there, and therefore this is this is your audience. It's, I mean, it's the old direct marketing principles, really. What are, what's the right time, right place, right message, uh, right channel that you are going to want to talk to these people through? And that's what the data should be telling you. And uh, you know, there was an old adage when 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 uh, I, I first started in the industry, which was that if you have a a brilliant piece of creative and put it in front of the wrong person, then it's not going to be a brilliant piece of creative. Whereas if you have a slightly average piece of creative and you put it in front of the right person at the right time in the right place, in the right channel, it's got a pretty good chance of working. And so this schism that I, I talked to you about, I think, is, is where you have that more traditional approach to uh, to that the creative process where it's bottom down. You know, typically, that would be big idea advertising versus the other side of that, which is this bottom up area, which is clearly where, where I advocate the, you come from, which is the data driven approach to, to marketing moving forwards. And I think what we're, what we're seeing now is, is a greater split in that world. You've got bottom-up, data-driven, which I think is a very functional uh, very functional place for the, 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 the sort of creative we're talking about, where you need an enormous amount of content as well, because we're, we're talking about app-based content driven through channel, often in real time now, that is designed to react to a multiple amount of data points. The other world is a little bit less pacey, and it's uh, about coming up with something that that is a, a top-down idea. Uh, and I think, you know, it's probably a little bit of, you know, of a controversial viewpoint, but I, I do think that the traditional agency groups, the names that you would have known for many years, have fallen asleep at the wheel a little bit in this area and still the gravity of those businesses is with the uh, the top-down planning and delivery of creative based upon that as opposed to well-serviced functional side of things which is where the the data businesses are now becoming very very good at uh, being able to create content that does work through those channels it may not be as beautiful or or, or well produced or as expensive by the way if you're a client as that that, that traditional agency group 
but it will do the job for you and it will do the job very well for you. And, and clients, I think, are starting to demand more and more and more of that. And in fact, if you look at what, what Martin Sorrell is doing with S4 Capital, for example, at the moment, he is he's following that, that route very heavily now and he's buying businesses that operate in that sector. And you're seeing big agencies having their margins eroded. Um, they are not investing in skill sets of people who, who do the bottom up. And you know you're you're seeing a gradual decline, a spiral downwards for those for those businesses. There's been a brief blip with um, WPP's uh, numbers that they announced uh, earlier this week, but frankly, there's a, been a downward trend for many years for them, and I'd expect to see that that being literally a blip and it continuing that way. I don't see any other opportunity unless they change their way of doing things, which will be very difficult for them. Mm. I mean, it's it's interesting because as you're talking there, mine my mind's kind of racing, Steve. But I'm just thinking, isn't that the way kind of it's always been for, for business? And even now, right? If you take if you take any sector and you start talking to them about a data and analytics initiative, right, outside across the entire business, what do you get? You get we want to do AI, we want to do ML. You know, they want to do the yeah, big yeah. ticket, sexy stuff that looks great, and it's kind of like well. Hang on a second. You don't even know where your data is. You know, why don't you just get some reports that can help you first, right? Well, so well, well you're absolutely right, aren't you? I mean, it's it's you know they and so and you, that bit is so is so it's always been. You know, uh, there's, there's there has to be an element of pragmatism about all of this. You know, I've described the the nirvana there of you know, creative being delivered at pace in real time through the right channel at the right time. But you're right. It's um, and I talk about it often. You know, clients will. Uh, by technology as a solution to what we've just described there they'll go and get a a package off the shelf they'll invest in a uh, you know, a Salesforce, for example, or you know, one of the one of the big enterprise-wide solutions, and they stick it in Adobe. They'll stick it in, and then they say, "Well, it hasn't worked." And well, <laughs> you know, so, so what did you expect, really? Um, uh, you know, it's my equivalent. I play golf. I'm not very good at it, uh, but periodically, I'm tempted to um, to throw money at a, a new club that's going to solve all my problems. And I buy it, and I go out on a golf course, and guess what? Nothing's changed because I haven't done the basics, as you you talked about previously. I haven't gone out and practiced which is what i ought to do because that will change my game not buying something and this is exactly the same this is exactly the same what they need to do is think about a a progressive approach to getting to that nirvana which involves sorting your data out making sure you've got it flowing around the organization properly making sure you have the right technology in place that you actually need making sure you've got the right skilled people making sure you've got a top-down approach within that business that the the, you know your c-level has bought into for what is a better term digital transformation of which this is a part so that you have the support to make these things happen right the way through the arch break down the silos as necessary so that you you go on a journey and some some businesses it will take years to get there um, and some can operate much quicker and I, and I guess if you look at some of the some of the brands that are out there that are what I would call legacy brands they struggle more with this than the newer challenger brands do because the challenger brands have come into it without the legacy data systems they've they've been able to start with a in broad terms a blank piece of paper so they they're that that much more fleet of foot and the legacy brands are the ones who really need to start rethinking the way that they approach this uh, and quite quickly because otherwise they will uh, they will they will start being eroded by the younger more fleet of foot brands yeah yeah no absolutely i mean 
you just reminded me there of um, in the middle of lockdown, I had to get a new bank card. Um, and it had not been long after I'd set up the business here. So I set up the business through, what was it? Monzo or Stalin or one of those. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. 20 minutes app, you know, here's a, pass, here's a picture of your passport, done. And then I, in the same week, trying to get a new debit card for me and me and the wife. And it was like seven days later, I got a letter through the post. I had to sign something and send it back. And then they'd send me the card. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, it's no wonder that these big, as you call them, legacy brands are so far behind. But I guess from a marketing perspective, because it is such a creative industry and often it is around how it looks and how it feels and how it makes people feel, there obviously is a tendency to go to go big and to go sexy. And, you know, when the reality is, is that, like you said, the small incremental steps and working from the bottom up are actually probably more useful, but we're just used to going big and going sexy, right? So it's it's a difficult transition to get away from, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? You you know, you've given a really good example, exactly the same, exactly the same issue and, you know, with Monzo and my, my, my bank. Uh, and the speed that they were able to do things at, but it's 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 quite as you talk about this go big go sexy. Actually, what matters to consumers is not big and sexy. It's what did you do when I actually needed you? You know, what was that customer experience like? You know, did it yeah. did it feel right? And and a lot of that, a lot of you know, not all of it's data. Of course, it isn't, but acknowledging me as a as a as a person who's got a relationship with you and making sure you track me through all your channels just makes it feel nice you know some of it is obviously training people and having the right processes in place and all of those kind of things but a large chunk of this is you know you talked about monzo there you know they're they're slick it's a slick operation because their data works behind the scenes and their technology is right and they're and actually it's backed up by a great product and a great offer um and so uh, you know you're seeing and, it, and you know, we talked about the, the, and so it's always been when you talked about the, the schism, I think that's been perpetuated by probably legacy marketeers operating in some brands as well versus a new breed of marketeer that's 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 coming through now. Um, and, you know, your legacy marketeers still do things that they always did because they feel comfortable and safe doing that. They've always used their, their advertising agency to come up with a big idea. And, and, you know, they're fine. You know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, except that it's probably not where you need to be as a marketeer in, in this world. You need to have more strings to your bow. So at least recruit people around you that, that understand the, uh, the other side of the marketing coin. But I think, you know, it, there, there needs to be that much, that much more progression in, in thinking about how marketing is used now. And, you know, the, the big idea, the big creative. We, we, you just have to think about the way we view TV now. It's uh, you know, TV advertising is a very different beast now than it was t- ten years ago, even twenty years ago, even more so. It's changed. Everything's changed, and we have to we have to react to that. You know, my 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 kids. I've got teenagers. They don't watch TV at all. They watch YouTube all the time and, and other social media to consume their information. Yeah. That's a channel that we as digital and data experts understand really really well because it's full of data touch points that we can interpret and understand so if you don't use that that data and try and push something through youtube you're you're basically being negligent yeah. you're, you're basically not doing your job properly as a marketeer mm, yeah so i guess how do you kind of toe that line of getting the balance right because i guess there's always an element of you still want to be 
creative you still want to have that string to your bow but you know equally you want to you want your ideas to be backed up by some kind of evidence right and and, and data mm. so you talked i think um offline again about this data-driven creative kind of era that we're approaching so talk us through what you mean by that and what you think that will you know transpire to be I think it's um, you know there's been a lot of talk about it, and if you look, even if you look at the 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 Can Awards for the last few years, data driven is what they have harped on about. The winners of those awards have, in their terms, been data driven. In my terms, they're not very data driven because <laughs> they they haven't quite got to where I I think data driven sits. But they're starting to acknowledge the fact that data needs to be part of the creative briefing process. And, you know, I, I think if you ask most creatives, if they would like more information about their target audience on a creative brief, I think they would all say yes, because it doesn't hamper creativity, it enhances it. The more you know about the person you're about to talk to, the the, the better it will be. You know, if, this is a human thing as well. If you, you meet someone for the first time, the first thing you do is ask some questions about themselves and you try and establish a common ground. And the more you meet them, the more you'll know about them. And the more you know about somebody, the more relevant the conversation becomes. So that's humans. That's how we operate. So the more you understand in the creative process about the the audience or the individuals you're talking to, the better you are going to be at delivering that creative. If if you see, if you get something that's fluffy and, and and vacant in terms of a creative brief, then what comes out of the end of that will by by very default be broad brush and and not as focused as, as it could be. So when I talk about data-driven creative, it, it's it's really about taking every data point that you have available to you. And distilling that down and placing it in a in a in a creative brief, if you want, that talks not only about the audience but the channel, the, the time of day that you might be sending something out. I mean that that makes a difference as well. If you're, if I know that you're going to be browsing for something on your iPad at eight p.m. in the evening at the end of a long day with a with a beer in your hand, the mindset that you're going to be in at that point is something I need to think about when I put a message in front of you, because if I'm going to give you a great deal of information to consume, it probably won't work very well. If I give you a nice, punchy, easy to act upon message that is highly resonant because I know that you happen to like X, Y, and Z and do this, this, and this and deliver it at the right time. Well, I've got a pretty good chance of that working. So, you know, data-driven creative for me is about following what human beings do, making sure you have enough information at your disposal to make sure that that communication is going to work because you know in real life if you didn't use a piece of data let's say i don't know if, you, if you're married carl but if you if you happen to forget your wife's birthday or girlfriend's birthday that's not going to go very well for you and that's just <laughs> one piece of data that you should be using uh using for your the purposes of creating a good relationship mm-hmm. it's exactly it's exactly the same principle on our one-to-many which brands have with multiple consumers so use that data and make sure that those communications are going to work for you. That's data-driven creative for me, and uh, and, it, and it, I, I find it I find it inconceivable that you don't do that. And I know, I know it's done. I know it's done many many times. I've seen it many many times. And data-driven to your top-down planning process means uh, I'm going to go to a Cantar report or something like that, or, or even worse, 
I think this is right because I had a look on the internet and I've heard people and I've heard planners, I've heard senior planners say that. I, I thought about it. I did a bit of Googling and therefore I've distilled it into this. Whereas whereas I think I think we are better and smarter than that now. And uh, and we should we should just be doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, I think my, my listeners will be getting absolutely sick of hearing me say this, but <laughs> irrespective of the guest, their background, what type of sector they come from, um, what even the topic is, what it all typically comes back to is that there just needs to be a you know cultural transformation that occurs within the industry that says like, look, yeah, we used to do it this way, that it's not this isn't fit for purpose anymore and therefore something needs to change because you know if we carry on like this we're not going to get the results out of all of these initiatives that we're performing um and it, it just it's 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 yeah it comes back to that for me every time but i think we're in a perfect storm for that to start happening now you know the you you look at we've talked about all of them already but you're in you're in a situation where covid has hastened that uh that mindset of data is important what digital is important uh therefore data becomes important because one goes one goes with the other the, the big agencies are starting to well, have you know for, for some years have been being eroded uh look there's some very good ones out there by the way but i think if you look at the, the general trend it's 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 downwards uh for, for those guys I think you've got a situation where clients are expecting more from their budgets. They're expecting, uh, you know, returns to be as good or, or better than they were previously, and they expect you to prove it. And I mean, that, that that's a big one. We haven't really talked about that, but there's also the the not only the front end of the process, which is the data driving, the, the creativity and the, and the messaging, but there's also what happens as a result of that and what can I learn and how do I improve it moving forward? So you, you can sort of, you get that, that the perfect learning loop that's, you know, test, learn, test, learn, test, learn. In a, and so you're always, you're always improving what you're doing. It's an iterative process. And plus technology itself, the, 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 the tech that businesses can use to enable these things to happen is, uh, is becoming more accessible, more affordable, um, quicker to implement. Um, and, you know, businesses, businesses like mine are able to you know, pretty rapidly help companies that you know think maybe it's quite difficult to get to a place where they're doing at least a block of the basic things very well indeed um so i think all of this is happening at the, at the moment and and by the way a lot of those traditional marketeers that would maybe do it the old way they're getting older and therefore they they're moving out of those roles and you're getting a younger breed coming through so all of these things together will start to make this this happen and consumer behavior itself is going to make it happen anyway because as i said no one's watching tv the way they used to people are consuming multiple channels and multiple times in different ways there's no you know there's no broad brush you can apply to uh, to the population anymore because there's so many different uh, there's so many different journeys different classifications of people that are that are out there that you almost have to get down to this this highly personalized way of, of, of dealing with consumers. 
which is totally doable. So it's um, it will change, and I think we're you're seeing you're seeing the uh, the start of that process happening now, and it'll be quick. Uh, I, I think you know in the next five years you're going to see a huge huge shift in the way that marketing is is, is done, and also the suppliers, the, the the service companies, two big brands that are doing that. There'll be a change. There'll be a change in that. And there'll be more businesses, data-driven technology businesses that are supplying those those marketing services to to clients going forwards. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess as we start to try and wrap this up then, Steve, that was going to be one of my kind of final questions in terms of the differences between the the kind of the agency landscape and I guess the the end user organization itself in terms of, you know, where do the differences lie as far as this whole data-driven creative piece goes and how, you know, the the marketing sector emerges through the use of data? Yeah, well, I I, I guess you're right. I've, st- I've sort of started to answer, answer, answer that. I think... I think there's there's room for everyone, but um, you know what what has happened this this move by the, the the traditional agency groups to you know the gravity moving towards the creative idea means they've invested less in people like me, uh, you know data guys, technologists, people who understand properly understand the channels uh, through which uh, they can communicate through at this point in time. There's been, there's less of those. There's been less investment by those those businesses in the the, the skill sets, the tech, and the tools that they need to be able to to deliver that and therefore that combined with the fact that really really at the heart of it what they what they care about is the creative side you only have to have got awards for goodness sake you know you you know you know what they're really caring about and that's the creative not necessarily all of the the engine room that sits beneath that the 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 sort of smarts that deliver through channels so that's going on anyway so therefore there has to be an answer to that from a client perspective and the answer to that is going to be your highly specialized businesses uh, that until now probably have been supplying parts of that solution they are now you can see it they're acquiring you look, you look at some of the, the the technical groups that are out there they're acquiring businesses that enable them to offer full service propositions uh, to, to clients We've done it, you know. They look at look at the likes of Merkel. They've done it. You look at uh, we need S four Capital. They they're doing it. They're looking to uh, to to expand what was their traditional niche offering outwards, uh, so that they can offer a full service in that very functional side of marketing, uh, which is this as we've talked about data driven app pace through channel. That's that's where we we can step in as businesses, and that's where the opportunity for us will be. So there's room for both now, but the shape of who does what will definitely change moving forwards. And and you know clients clients will demand it. They're demanding specialists to help them to help them get this done, either to do it for them or to help them do it internally. Either way, they're going to need those those skill sets uh, in, in in the future and. You know, as I say, we are already seeing it. We're already seeing this move happening, and it will it will accelerate. It will happen much more quickly now for all of the reasons I've talked about previously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess where where does the whole technology spectrum fit into this relationship? Because that's a you know forever evolving. Um, kind of space in itself right and there's a new shiny tool coming out all all the time where where does that sit within the kind of you know in the midst of 
putting data and creative together? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good question. I, you know, as you, as you say, I think every year there's that that chart that you've probably seen brought out with all the logos of, <laughs> yeah. of different software suppliers in the Marcom space. Uh, they're broken out and it's like running at 7,500 suppliers in the moment where that's, you know, no one person can understand uh, that, that marketplace. So um, I think, you know, what we do, we, we, we have a, a, a specialist team, and I know we're not unique in this, but we have a specialist uh, team within the business that is uh, there purely to seek and find. So we have, uh, we're in a constant state of being presented to by software suppliers and platform providers out in the marketplace in all areas that we've talked about in order to, I talked about leading edge and bleeding edge. So they would fall into those categories to understand what is available to our clients out there. And, uh, you know, there's variable ways that we introduce that to clients. It could be a, this is interesting. We don't know if this is going to work. Should we test it out together and see, see where, where, where we go along with this? Or there's the, uh, Look, this is this is really very this is very new. We've got one at the moment. Actually, you talked about AI. Um, AI is obviously a hot a hot subject at the moment. We've we've been working with a number of uh, suppliers in that space at the moment who are able to really genuinely able to digest huge amounts of data very quickly uh, for the purposes of of delivering uh, you know on the fly intelligence to, to 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 clients. So, you know, I think where where I'm going with this is, you know, it's incumbent upon intermediaries if you like like ourselves to look at that space and think about how the the tech stacks that we put together for for clients to do this is both robust but also constantly evolving and it's also incumbent on us to build those tech stacks in the first place so that you can plug and play so it, it becomes neither expensive nor prohibitive for a client to say, do you know what, there's something new out there, or for us to say to them, there's something new out there we've seen, we think we need to transition to this because it's going to change your business. You know, we've, we've gone through a replatforming phase with a number of our clients on a piece of technology just recently that has genuinely changed the way that uh, they do business. And it's a simple thing, and it's not a very particularly very exciting thing. It's all about how data is loaded in but it's changed the way that they do business. So I think in, in, in all areas, you know, we, we become the trusted advisor, we become their eyes and ears in the technology marketplace, um, and we, be, we help them to use the tools in a, in a better, smarter way, consistent with whatever their business objectives happen to be. So it, it's almost a, a, you know, almost a management consultancy function, but in a very niche area of, 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 what, of what we do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess as we wrap this up then, Steve, last question from me is all around something that you started to delve into earlier, which was around return and return on investment and how have things performed? Because I guess across across the wider data analytics landscape, that's often that's something that's scrutinized, let's say, quite a lot. Yeah. And you know, often a big gray area around how do you actually put a tangible figure on that, you know, where if you think about your technological and infrastructure costs, for example, how how long are you calculating that for? Is it cut off at the first project? Does it run for a certain amount of time? And and yada yada yada. I guess in the sphere of marketing, though, they've always been trying to calculate those figures, right? You know, if you spend X amount of millions on a big advertising campaign, well, you're trying to track how much that's brought you back in. So I guess, do you feel that the marketing 
kind of domain as is kind of at an advantage on this? Is it any easier for marketing to kind of put metrics and figures on what their returns have been? And, and I guess how is data helping that further? Yeah, well, I, I, I guess, and you know, we've we've talked about this quite a lot already. You know, one of the beauties, one of the beauties, of always for me has been in data, in that you, you know, you're leaving a you're leaving a fingerprint, a footprint, whatever you, you in everything you do, and everything you do now, you're leaving, you're leaving that that smoke trail um, digitally. Now, all of those all of those smoke trails are are both there for us to track you and follow you but also to measure in some way and you you can to a degree put a financial uh financial a number on any one of those those touch points i suppose your question is you know is how accurate is that Look, the reality of the situation is it's not going to be bang on because there's so many different moving parts in any business that to get the number spot on is is going to be difficult but what you can do over a period of time is to is to apportion your costs on a on a, on a, on a reasonable basis and maybe low medium or high so you you're able to model things out across all of the customer journey, all of the data touch points, and give yourself parameters within which to work, which is something we typically do. I mean, we call it business modeling. It's it's, it's something we typically do for clients to say, if, for example, the conversion rate between this data touch point and this data touch point goes up one percentage point, we believe that that drops through to your bottom line at this amount of money and it's 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 a it's slightly a finger in the air if we're honest because of, of all the moving parts but it's way better than anything that existed previously where there was no ability to go well we know that that percentage is happening we know that these people spent that amount of money as a result we know it cost broadly that to do it in the first place yes there's this you know with the accountancy rules there's an absolute cost and then there's a hidden cost and that's you know that's your that's your challenge but we're so much better now than we ever have been in this We're, we're so much better at attribution of marketing channel we're so much better at understanding the contribution that uh that data can make to a business and there is even talk you know there's been this conversation for a long time for for publicly listed companies whether they can actually put a value on uh, the asset of data within their businesses it's not allowed under gap regulations at this point in time but surely we're getting to a point now where you can say if i've got 100,000 customers, I know they spend this much money, I know they stay this length of time, I know they cost me that much to acquire and keep, you start having the ability to say, I know that an individual is worth X amount of money to my to my business, and this is how much it costs me to acquire them, grow them, and retain them. And then we start to get into a really interesting place for, for shareholder value being driven by large companies being able to use data in a far, far smarter way. And if you you know you talk about digital transformations and you look about look at the, you know the, the business models that uh, you know your Accenture's and your Price Waterhouses will talk about, and they have either you know they typically have a five or a seven or a six point plan for digital transformation. But but what always comes through is better decision making, better operational management, and then monetization of your assets. They are they are the mantras that these guys come up with, and if that's what they're saying, let's let's assume they're well thought through in that process. That monetization and that better operations and better decision making all together are about measurement. You know, they are about measuring whatever you're doing and then using it using it in in in, in different ways. So. 
you know, that's a very long-winded answer to your question, by the way. But I think where where we're at, where we're at now with everything that's happening, you know, that we we're so so good at data now, you know, and that's getting hold of it, interpreting it, and using it. You know, we we you know when I when I was back working for HSBC Bank in the eighties, you know, we had a rolodex of names and addresses, and now and now we're in a situation where everything I've described can be done. They don't all, all companies do it, but it can be done, and so it's just then the, the will of the business to 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 want to do that, and uh, and then you know making making operationalizing that that data piece. Yep. Absolutely. So before we let you go, Steve, I guess if yeah. there's any marketers or business execs out there listening to this, you know, within the realm of marketing, what's what kind of your couple of nuggets of advice around, you know, what the new age of marketing is going to look like in terms of, you know, the role that data plays and, and what should they be thinking about? Well, I think, uh, you know, I, what I always say to uh, clients when I meet them for the first time is, you know, don't don't try and run before you can walk. It's always, it's about a graduated process. You know, we can we can all we can all stand in front of a client and paint paint the perfect scenario that they they could have, but there's challenges along the way, and they, those challenges are they're, they're data challenges, uh, and every company has them. There's no there's no company that's perfect. There's no company that's doing what I just described yet perfectly um so that that that's the opportunity in the space so it's do the basics it's it's create set of building blocks for yourself and they will typically be a data building block making sure you've got the the, the data in the right place and the right format you've cleaned it up boring stuff but very very important if you're going to then do something with it because uh, if it's if it's not is not good in the first instance then the output's not going to be good either so there's a data layer in there there's a technology layer in there have you got the information moving around your business the right way in the right time there's a human layer in there have you got the right people doing the right things and pushing the right buttons with the right mindset and uh, there's a, there's a, there's almost that executive layer in that as well which is have you got the right uh, the you know the right ethos within the business from the top down to make you a data-driven organization. Um, and, you know, it's it, all of those things together don't exist on day one. We have to work together to make them happen. We have to build business cases often with quick wins in there. But it's about it's about building blocks. It's about doing it at a sensible pace for that particular organization, um, you know, in a structured and sensible, in a structured and sensible way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Steve, look, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for giving us your time. And yeah, we look forward to uh, staying in touch and speaking with you soon. No, thank you for asking me. It's been a real pleasure. That's cool. great. Thank, thanks Stay very Steve. much. Bye. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then... Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week.